One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is the John Coon Podcast, number eight, the Thanksgiving edition of the John Coon Podcast. Turkey Day. I'm thankful to be the sidekick on this program. And you are? Uh, my name is Mark Tauscher, <laughs> no. former teammate of one John Coon. No, I'm Jason Wilde. He's John Coon. Boy, if Mark was here, we would really, I mean, we would talk about the food at Thanksgiving, and that, that would be all. I mean, we'll talk about it, me and you, but if, it, sure. if Mark was here, that's all we'd talk about. So, uh, in, in Once Upon a Time on WTMJ 620, the official Packers flagship station, uh, you and he did a show together. Oh yeah, yeah we did. So I, you know, obviously I get to do a get to. Uh, what do you have? Some you have some of our terrible hits. That's I don't. When we were starting off. That's uh, yeah. when neither one of us really even knew how to work a microphone. So so I'm a I I, I don't mind this at all. I I I am a sidekick. I know. Look, Pro Bowl player, icon, well, state treasure, like three-time Wisconsin sports journalist of uh, yeah, the year in the say. northeast yeah. uh, corner of the state. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the most popular sports writer on my street. Um, but I, I, I understand my role. you got to know your role, right? I'm curious, though, without a, a, a Jason type in the mix oh, for that struggled. show, what was it like? We, it was a bunch of this. It was just <laughs> We just talked back and forth, and then somebody started waving their hands, and we were like, all right, got to go to break. We'll be right back. Bye. <laughs> It was a, it was a struggle fest because you know I mean like, and, and and the funny even if I tried to drive a conversation, Mark doesn't allow that. No. You know what it's like. You got to talk about what Mark wants to talk about then, and we struggled, but we had fun. We had a great time. Well, you guys are both obviously extremely valuable parts of our team, and and I'm excited to be the sidekick on both. And one of these days, Tausch is going to take time off, and you're going to be available, and you're going to do the show with me again. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, um, he takes a lot of time off. He does. So it probably won't be too long. Remarkable <laughs> how much time he takes off. Well, we don't take off, even though it is Thanksgiving week, and I know you love the holiday. You're a thankful person. I'm Very a thankful, thankful. person. Um, but I don't, I'm not a huge Thanksgiving guy. Like the Wildey family. What? Yeah, so we. That was probably way too loud. That was pretty loud. <laughs> was right next wow. to the microphone when I did that. Um, so I live with a, Madison's a vegetarian. Paula, I mean, hold on, just stop. You, this Thanksgiving, you're not into? Like, of all, of all. The holidays, how to me, Thanksgiving is number one. It's really it's number oh, one. Come on, Christmas, For, it's it's ahead of Christmas. Yes, yeah, Christmas, you have hams. No, oh, so you're ranking no. food holidays, yeah, and Christmas, you're not guaranteed football. We're guaranteed three games, yeah, on NBA games. Wow, <laughs> regular season NBA. Twist my arm I think if the I Bucks miss are it. Playing Don't on let Christmas. me. Well, then I'll watch. There then you I'll go. Watch. You, you and know, Donald because, Driver, because, you'll both watch yeah, the game. Yeah, because Giannis tries hard in regular season. That'd be the only reason I'm watching. So, Can't talk to me about load management since you just went the NBA route. <laughs> do Do you load manage in media? Uh, I should. Tausch definitely does. Um, I, you know, I, I don't. I, I don't. Then what do you think I'm about a grinder. load management? When you hear these guys doing load management, like this, doesn't that just sound like a farce? Just play less games. Just NBA. If these guys can't handle 82 games, 
and just play like they they altered the schedule and everything for these guys, and they still can't play in all the games. I think our our colleague and friend Evan Cohen, who is part of our team at Good Karma Brands and does a lot of stuff on Sirius XM Radio, he I thought he coined the right phrase for it though. It's not really load management; it's star management. Oh, it is, yeah. But but even with that, still, it's star load management. Sure, it's the of load course. management for the stars. But nobody's load. Nobody's worried about the loads of anybody else. It's kind of like that preseason game in Winnipeg where we're all worried about all the guys that matter, but the rest, you, you other 57 guys, you guys go right out there. Yeah, it kind of reminded me in the 2010 season, we go into a preseason game against Kansas City, and it's raining. It's the fourth preseason game, mm-hmm. so the starters usually take one series. Well, it's raining, so Ryan Grant's not going to dress, okay? <laughs> so then, de facto, second running back is now starting running back, Brandon Jackson, so he gets the one series. And then, who do we have left? <laughs> Craig Lumpkin is the only halfback left. He gets a hit pointer on his first series, so it's John, go out and finish the fourth preseason game for us, where we will take three two-minute drives, one at halftime, two at the end of the game, and you'll play 75 plays in the fourth preseason game. That's Ouch. when you figure where you rank on the load and star management uh, What were your Pro chart. Bowl years? Uh, 11, uh, 14, and 15. So did you get star treatment after that for the preseason? No. No? I never Fullbacks star- just don't I, get yeah, that. No, I never got star treatment for the preseason. In fact, one year, um, and I know Sean Payton liked to play his fullbacks it, in, all the way through the first half. What are you getting too hot? God, what are you too hot? You said you were too cold. You turn on the space heater. And that is the most looking. powerful space heater. It's like the sun in here now. You, you asked if it was going to heat us both up. I said, yeah. I thought I was in an ice fishing shanty, and five minutes later, I'm starting to take off clothes, which is not good for any of us. <laughs> what, I mean, that's what happens in an ice fishing wow, shanty. Normally, hot. it's because of the booze, though, and not because of the Holy heaters. Holy cow. I had to move it. It was so bad. What All are right. we talking about? Well, let's see. We, so far, we've, we've briefly touched on... Uh, your star load management, what you oh, did yeah. in a okay. preseason, yeah. Thanksgiving yeah. rankings yeah. of food, so, so, and Tausch being difficult to work so, with. So it was my last preseason, my last preseason, the fourth pre. And I never got preferential treatment in the preseason, and I'm not, I'm not even upset about it. But it was the, no, not not at all, not at all. But it was the fourth preseason game, and of my last season, 13 season, and I kind of tweak my calf in pregame. And I'll never forget it. Like, who does this? 13th year in the NFL, fourth preseason game. We're about to play a, you know, a Monday night game against uh, Minnesota, I think, first game of the season. And, and I, go, I go to my position coach. I say, I just tweaked my calf. And he goes, can you play? And I said, well, I, I will if you need me. And he kind of like looks at me, and I said, you know what I mean? And I was getting at, do I need to play this first half to make the team? So he's, he's kind of like, no. And I'm like, well, go ask Sean, do I need to play? And then he comes back and he goes, well, Sean said, you know, if you need to, you know, get right. And I said, no, I'm dead serious. <laughs> right. Ask him, do I need to play and prove myself in this last half that I have in the preseason? Because if so, I will go out there and grind it on this. Who does that? That's great. Though. I was going to go out. Now there was and that the year that and they cut you to for a day, and, well, and we all got our you, hopes you just, up here. You just had to ruin the whole oh, story. Sorry. sorry, you had sorry. to ruin the whole story. Sorry. Anyways, he comes back after talking to Sean a second time. He goes, "Sean says you're good. Just get your calf right for next Monday. We got bigger fish to fry." So I said, "All right." 
you know, I, I missed the game. I st- spent the entire game in the locker room getting my putting stem and ice on my calf. We know how well that works. Yeah, you've and, you've, uh, you've covered that. It doesn't. And, yeah, worked on my calf for the whole game, and go and here we are now. We have cuts the next three days for for the weekend, and I'm just you know I'm feeling kind of good. I don't have to worry about cuts because I was basically just told I'm good, and we get through cuts, and the Saints signed three guys off of waivers. And Coach Sean comes to me and he's like. Hey, John, need a favor. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm going to need to cut you for a day or two. Oh, yeah, that's a great favor. That's not it. <laughs> it's not asking for five bucks. You're not asking for some money for the soda machine. You're asking for a real serious favor. But I, I did appreciate, he looked at me, he goes, the only way I'll do it is if you look me in the eyes and tell me you're not signing with anybody else when we release you because he could cut me knowing that I would come right back because I don't have to clear waivers as a vet right until after the trade right. deadline. So he goes, I'm only doing it. If you look me in the eyes and tell me you're not coming back here or tell me you, you are, are coming, coming back, back here and you're not going anywhere else. If they come calling a little part of me wanted to cross my fingers behind my back, but I did say, I did say, I said, coach, you say you're bringing me back. I'll be back in two days when, when you bring me back. And then he, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget this. And then he goes, okay, good. Uh, well, you'll never believe who we just stole from the Packers. And I said, who? And he said, a quarterback. But, boy, is he an athlete. Stole Taysom Hill. So Taysom right. Hill took my spot. Owes on the it all to roster. you. Yeah, well, you know, he, he doesn't know it to me because they were going to cut me regardless. <laughs> but uh, but he took my spot on the roster, and then I took somebody else's spot. And there was a bunch of wheeling and dealing going on. So he, But he tells you that that's their play. Because yeah. I'll be honest, when it happened, there were a lot of Packers fans well, who I got was, their hopes up. And I was really nervous. I, I, I was really nervous because they, the Packers had just cut Rupkowski. Right. And I was really nervous because I thought to myself, oh, boy. Now, I just looked at Sean in the face, and I promised him I would not go anywhere, and I would sign back with him in two days. And now I might have to go uh, answer, back a call, on your word. answer a call from the Packers. And then what do I do? What would you have done? That's I don't a know. Great, it's, I, that I, is a great I was, question. I, I I did worry about that for like the first you know ten hours, and then I was like, and then the Packers didn't call. Fooling. They're not calling. <laughs> so that's a. I mean, that's just a different little story there for you. But I was. I I'm was, sorry, I, was I ruined it. No, I wish you wouldn't have. Uh, that's you did. my fault. Yeah. I I I. Yeah. But we, we, had, should, we should do some show prep <laughs> once in a while. I'm going to tell this great story. Don't ruin it. I didn't um, expect us to get in that story. That's yeah, just the I, nature is, of these pods, man. That, you that just is keep how going. the show goes. Can we talk about Thanksgiving yet? I want to Absolutely. It's better than talking about the Thanksgiving. war on Thanksgiving. Yes. You hate Thanksgiving. I don't. I'm still blown away. I love the food. I do. The problem is I live with a family full of non-turkey eaters. They are not uh, mashed potato eaters. There's, we don't make gravy. I think Paula was talking. You don't even make gravy? They just, they're no like, one's going to eat it Jason, except me. Jason's the only one who eats mashed potatoes, so we don't need to bother with the gravy. He'll figure it out. I think we're going to make what breakfast for dinner tomorrow. That was what Paula's idea was. Stop. It's true. Stop. With turkey bacon. Oh That'll be the gosh. turkey representative. <laughs> so do you guys eat turkey bacon? They don't eat turkey, but they eat turkey bacon? Um, that is, that's a conundrum. Paula and Madison drink. Uh, they eat. They drink, uh, they drink bacon. <laughs> they eat turkey veggie milk? bacon. They turkey milk. No. <laughs> turkey milk. Yes, it's right next to the almond milk. Um, yeah, they eat veggie bacon. 
This is what I. This is my life. How you are have, you not skinnier? That's a fair question. <laughs> in this house, because they haven't removed any of the sweets in, from in, our house. In this house with all vegetarians, how do you how do you pack uh, it any is, weight it's, on? It is. Uh, I I do. I somehow manage. The heat in that house has to be ridiculous because everybody must be so skinny. They are all much skinnier than me. Yes, I'm very warm. See, that's why I had to move the heater. So you love Thanksgiving from a food ranking standpoint. It is your favorite holiday. Yes, easily. Now Christmas, we started getting away from the ham. I guess. I guess Christmas isn't predominantly ham, but I did ham growing up for Christmas. Okay. But I also did ham and turkey for Easter. So we doubled up on Easter and did that's ham and... a lot of protein. And, yeah, well, you know, that's how you that's get... That's why you got the yeah, biceps you get like big. Got, yeah. you, But uh, we did ham and turkey for Easter, which is crazy. Most people just do ham, but that's why we did ham for Christmas growing up. But when I married my wife... She does it. She her family always did a roast beast on Christmas. A roast beast, like yeah. right out of uh, the Grinch. Seuss. Yeah, it's Doctor Seuss. But boy, I, I was so happy when we made that switch. So Christmas is creep. It's it made a comeback. It Rallying. hasn't overtaken, but it has made a comeback. It's creeped its way back to uh, towards Thanksgiving. So we're we're recording this on Wednesday, but. We have to work Thursday, Friday. There's availability. You've got yeah. stuff to do yeah. with Packers.com. The Packers will practice. People, I, I don't think it's, for me anyway, having covered the league now for almost 25 years, they don't really, it's a work day. It, you know You know what they call Thanksgiving in the NFL? Thursday. Thursday, yep. right? I mean, so these guys are going to practice on Thursday. You have played a lot of Thanksgiving games in your They're the best. lifetime. They are. Really? They're the best. They are so much fun. Okay, beyond the fact that I loved the Thanksgiving dinners at the Westin Hotel inside the Detroit airport, like so good that I would have, during my single days, <laughs> considered flying there for Thanksgiving dinner and flying back if I had extra money. Um, what's great about playing? on thanksgiving well number one you're always the away team so and these you teams, played what didn't you play one home game though i think we late did. in your career i think we did play one like the um, night game yeah it, when they added the night game right but for a while it was always either at detroit or at dallas right and when when the packers or uh well really the packers when they go to play one of those two teams away it's a big big deal and thanksgiving in those places are big big deals now uh you don't have a whole lot of regular season games where there is a national pop superstar singing at halftime it's really just True. the super bowl maybe the nfc afc championship game maybe the kickoff game and then thanksgiving so that's when you know it's a big deal is when people start coming to town to sing these songs uh, at halftime and get a raucous uh, kind of area going for the game. But it was it was always a really cool atmosphere, really cool vibe. We played, uh, I don't think I ever played at Dallas, but we played at Detroit like two or three times. Sure. And that was always great. It was always the first game. So you get done, you're home by 5 o'clock, eating the biggest Thanksgiving meal with all your teammates or your family if they happen to come up, right? and, and just live it off a win, because we won. And so you, you played in Detroit a few times. I remember the year, I think it was 07, right, where you guys played Thanksgiving in Detroit, and then the following week you in played Dallas. Thursday in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. That was the game where Rodgers played well yeah. for you after Favre got hurt. Uh, Thursday nights in general have now become something that every team has to do. Uh, but would you ra you would rather play on Thanksgiving than well, not? Yeah, and that's kind of part of it, too. I guess why Thanksgiving means so much to me to play on than, than the other days is because it used to be there were only a handful of Thursday night games in the league. Correct. And they started after Thanksgiving. Right. So 
Thursday, that Thanksgiving was the biggest. It, it, it was the first Thursday that got played on throughout the year, and it was big, and it was a big deal. Um, it's kind of lost its luster now, figuring that every Thursday gets played on throughout the year, but it's still Thanksgiving. You know everybody's still you know, bellied up to the television watching all three of these games because half of them can't stand the other half of the people that are in the house, even though it's their family. And they're just, let me just sit down here and watch some football. Even if you don't like the teams, you sit down and watch the games. So let's see, it's Bears-Lions first, and then it's Cowboys-Bills, and then there's a late game that I don't know who that is. Yeah, which, you know, I'm I'm a little torn because we're going to have to work through the first game, obviously, so I'm going to miss the the Bears-Lions, which is probably going to be a snooze fest, especially since Matthew Stafford isn't going to play. But uh, at, at the end of the day, it's it's we got to play those two teams yet, so it'd be like doing some right. scouting and, right. and and getting some thoughts in. So I, I'm torn over whether I'm really bothered by missing that game or not. That Dallas Bills game could be could very be really very interesting. good. So I'm excited about that, and then I get to see my old partners in, at the Saints play another game. So, so they have the nice. late game against uh, what Falcons. Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned the Bears and the Lions, and we'll talk a little bit about what happened in San Francisco briefly, and then move on to the Giants, but. Of the five games that remain, four are against teams with losing records for the Packers, and two of those four are the aforementioned Lions and Bears. Um, and when you look at the Packers, and as they move on from San Francisco where things did not go right, they've got the Giants this week, then they've got Washington, then they've got the Bears, then they've got that Vikings meeting that everyone has circled on their calendar, and then they finish at Detroit. What do you find out about a team coming off of a loss like they had and when you have some matchups here that should be favorable to you? Yeah, now this, so somebody said, we're not going to find a whole lot about, no, we're going to find a lot about this team now. You're going to find a whole heck of a lot because now it's not just about winning. If they'd be on some ridiculous win streak and they go up here to New York and New York gives them the best punch, that's one thing. The Packers just took the best punch they're going to take all year. The Royal beat down in San Francisco. And now it's about how do they get off the canvas. Right. So you're going to find out a lot. How do you get off the canvas? And not just how do you get off the canvas, but how do you get off the canvas against a team that at least on paper looks like it should not be in the ring with you. So now you have not just to get off the canvas and punch back, but now you have to show some style points right. with this win. And, you know... It, there's there's something to be said about a get healthy game, you know. Packers didn't turn the ball over. They, in fact, two of the last three games they haven't turned the ball over on defense, and that's been a huge part of their identity this year. Right. Well, now they're playing the most fumbleless fumbler in the NFL, and Daniel Jones. I mean, I haven't seen a person fumble like this since Kurt Warner couldn't hold on to the ball when he was with the Giants before right. he even went to to Arizona. So. Uh, he he turns the ball over quite a bit, and I think he has 11 interceptions, too. Uh, so the guy has uh, 20-some turnovers. Right. And, uh, the, Packers, the Packers need to take advantage of that. They do have the returning offensive rookie of the year in Saquon Barkley at running back, a position they have not stopped very well this year. Correct. And even though the Giants line has not given him a whole lot of room to run because he hasn't had a whole lot of production this year, it's still a, a pride factor. It'll still be a sense of, uh, 
you know, validation to shut him down, figuring the struggles that the Packers have had stopping the run this year. So there's two ways on defense that they can get better and feel good about themselves on how they get back to playing good football after playing the San Francisco 49ers the way that they did. And then offensively, I think it's all I think it's very important that our offense gets into a rhythm. Now Devontae Adams has been back three games now and we had one good performance against the Carolina Panthers and we're still hearing talk about how do we get the chemistry, how do guys get uh, the right flow? How does Matt get into a rhythm? So I think it's very important that they're able to find that kind of rhythm, consistency, and game flow for running the football, getting guys the ball in space, meaning the running backs, and Devontae Adams enough touches. So you, you, you said the word chemistry there. You were referring to major. offensive chemistry, but I know that. Yeah. And and so I was going to ask you a different chemistry question, though, okay, because Cause Cause I, I don't remember anything from college. Mm, that's not true. You're, don't, don't pretend that you're not as intelligent as you are. Stop it. Let's get back to your question. Um, we've talked a lot about this team's chemistry and culture. It's easy to have great chemistry and culture when you're 8-2. Boom. So now we're going to find out a little bit more about this team's chemistry and culture. Do you look, you know, when you look back on your career, I look back on um, the 2016 season, which you didn't spend here, but, you know, I don't know what that culture was like, but when they were four and six before they won their last six games of the regular season, I'm guessing the culture wasn't that hot, right? And so I'm curious. You know, what are we going to find out about this team and the leadership of this team? And it, how big of a test is this for a team to have gotten punched in the mouth like the Packers did by a team that they thought they were in the same class as and probably still could be if they play far better than what they did on Sunday night? You know, the Packers lost to the Eagles. It was a close game. The Packers lost to the Chargers. It was a funny West Coast trip coming off a big win in Kansas City. Those two things can can get dismissed. And when right. you're winning, guys tend to not be 100% honest with themselves. There's a statement that goes, you're not as good as you think that you are, and you're never as bad as you think right. that you are. And that's usually dubbed for when you lay a stinker, you come in and watch the film and you're like, ah, oh, we were a lot closer than what we thought we were. So most people attribute that to the stinker side. Mm -hmm. But it also applies to the winning side. When you're winning these games, you're not ever as good as the media says you are, as your friends say you are, as your family say that you are. Right. So... It's hard to be honest with yourselves when you're on a good run and when you start 8-2. and two. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying right. tendencies happen to be where you're not 100% honest with yourself. After a game like this, 1 versus 2 in the NFC the way that it was, you have a chance to be honest with yourself. And everybody, whether they want to or not, can see that. You know, the media sees it, the fans see it, your family see it. And you see it, right? And you see it in yourself when you watch the film with you stacked up against the other top seed in the NFC. So I, I think we're going to find out a lot about our guys and how they take that cold hard truth and how they use that as motivation going forward. So, and and look, I, I want to be clear: it's never good to lose. You always want to win. But when you're, if you're in danger of getting a little bit big for your britches, or if you're able to dismiss your other losses, you know the the 
the Philly loss, if Devontae Adams doesn't injure his foot, they probably win. You know, they lose by a touchdown. They have those failings you're in the close it. red you're zone. Doing it. This is exactly right. what it's like, and you're that's what it. they're doing right doing at it. the time. And, and this one, they can't San do San Diego. Well, you know why? Why yeah, did well, not we went out too early? We, you know, yeah, this, that, and the next. It was thing. too sunny. It was like like everything. You can do it. We can do it as fans. You know, and we do. But this is a moment where you can't you can't avoid the truth. So are guys one. excited this week, and our coaches excited this week? The you know the competitive nature. Like I look at Matt Lafleur, and not only as he admitted, to his credit, uh, did he get thoroughly out coached, but he got out coached by his buddies, like Robert Sala, and his family, right, and his, and brother, his brother, yeah, and his best friend in head coaching, and Kyle Shanahan. He's got to be mad. Like he's got to say, I I got to prove myself because they embarrassed me. That was oh, the yeah. word he used. Oh yeah, he's 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 hot. He's got to be hot. If he's not hot, he's not competitive. So that's why I know he's hot. Yeah. And are uh, players the same way after a game like this, or is it a little different dynamic? I think, I for think a while? they are, and I think they're excited to get back out against New York because, like I said, this is a chance to get right. This is a, you know, a correction in the market type game where you can really uh, adjust some of your rankings and, and some of your averages and stuff like that, and really get healthy, so to speak, on the stat line. Now, you're excited. You are super excited. If you go out in this first quarter and things start to maybe not go exactly the way you thought this game against the Giants would go, that's where you could see a little bit of the anxiety right. and the fear of, man, we're in a slump right now come into play. It, it, I almost, I almost want to say, and I, and I hate to say, I almost want to see the Packers struggle at the beginning of the game because then I want to see them make the in-game corrections and, and tear the Giants apart. Because that, to me, would prove that they have the mental fortitude to deal with it. Because right now it's bad. But, you know, if, if it doesn't start right against the Giants, that it will be really bad because it's the Giants. And then you'll see if guys can flip that switch. Because in, there, we've had two losses this year where guys never flipped a switch. Right. Just never even flipped it. Right. Um, speaking of flipping a switch, do you look at – one thing that I did want to touch on with you from the 49ers game, the, the – and and maybe this is uh, too much of an optimistic view that I had at the time. But, you know, Rodgers had talked about in the Chargers game how they never got that play to get them going, flipping the switch, like you just said. I thought the touchdown to Devontae and the two-point conversion might be that. I thought they finally got it. It's 23-8. to eight. Yes, you're still needing two touchdowns and two two-point conversions to take a 24-23 lead. That's my math. Um, and instead so, they give so up you a... you were going for two yeah. for the win. I'm going for the win. You're go- <laughs> um, but here's the thing. like You finally get that play that maybe does turn the switch on, and then what? A play, two later, there goes George Kittle for a 61-yard touchdown, and, and then it, that's it, you know? Yeah, but I mean, there was still time left in the game. There was. They could have made another play. You know, I still i I don't know what happened with that Jimmy Graham catch, and I'm still calling it a catch. I think he yeah, caught. That's the what ball. they said on the telecast. I think too. he caught the ball, and I, you know, there, the Forty ers new stadium. It's not ideal for trying to catch replays because it's in. It, they're tucked high, and if you're paying attention to the field or trying to call a play, you can't really watch them and do both at the same time, so it's difficult. 
So I don't know if Matt ever even got. He said nobody upstairs had said anything to him about re, about challenging. It's, it's, it's difficult, but man, I just I look at that as that could have been the play because that was still early enough in the game. Right. I mean, the Packers. I'll give the Packers defense this credit. You know, they let up thirty six points. They let up ten points with going into three minutes left in the first half, and the touchdown out of that ten points. The drive started on the two-yard line. Correct. The defense actually played pretty darn well for the first 27 minutes of that game. Right. You know, it was when Kyle Shanahan started making the adjustments. He saw how the Packers were going to play him that night, and his adjustments were on point. So you talked a little bit about the Giants. You talked about Barkley. You talked about Daniel Jones and his turnovers. If if you were cautioning Packers fans, okay, as much as this would look like a mismatch and a get-healthy game, here's what you need to worry about. What would you point to besides Barkley? I mean, I wouldn't point at anything else. I mean, if that's the They're guy. They're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, this I mean, is not a very good team. Yeah, it, they're not. And Daniel Jones at times has looked very good for a drive. And then he goes back to just dropping the football uh, when there's anybody even around him or throwing it to the other team. But... I mean, he does have 17 touchdowns on the season. He has he has sprinkled the ball around. I will say if 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 Evan Ingram uh, plays for them, their tight end, that's one thing. It's I'd another be area where the Packers. I'd be a little nervous because challenges. he's their best uh, passing or he's their best threat in the passing game, and those tight ends have given us some trouble. Now he he didn't play last week. He didn't play the week before. So, you know. Maybe the Packers can get lucky and, and he doesn't play. But I, I'm I'm taking a different stance. I want our guys to get confident. Right. I want him to play, and I want us to shut him down because you need the confidence going into the playoffs. You, you go ahead and you beat these these four teams that on paper you're better than. You still got to play Minnesota. Sure. I mean, you got to take you got to build some confidence before you go back into that ring with one of these heavyweights. So if if they beat the teams they're supposed to. And then whatever happens at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis happens. At worst, they're 12-4. and four. At best, they finish the year on a five-game winning streak. I know it's Matt LaFleur's 1-0 every week theory. Mm-hmm. But as you look at the remaining schedule, having been through over a decade of, of stretch runs yourself, yep. does this set up, if they do what they're supposed to do and they take care of business and they're up for that Vikings game on Monday Night Football. Does this set up for a team to go into the postseason on a pretty good roll, despite how this week feels because of the way they played against San Francisco? Well, let's let's first start with uh, let, let's let's make some assumptions on the schedule. Let's just run down the schedule uh, for for each of these teams. Let's say we do the best worst case scenario, and I say best worst because the Packers. Win their four games against the teams they should, and happen to come up just an inch short against Minnesota and sure. finish at twelve and four. Okay, I got Seattle beating Minnesota this week, so Minnesota is going to finish seven and four, or I mean twelve and four, and we're going to have the tiebreaker over them anyways. All right, so we're still going to win the division. So at worst, we're going to be the three seed, and who do we got to compete for the three seed to be Seattle, New Orleans, or Seattle, New Orleans, and San Francisco. Out of Seattle's schedule, they got a pretty, they got a couple. Tough games down the stretch. San Francisco has a brutal schedule, but they have the tiebreaker over us, so I don't see them losing three games, although they could with the Ravens, the Saints, and the the Seahawks still on their right. schedule. They have a very difficult schedule. Yes. Um, 
but I don't see them losing all three of those, maybe two at the worst. So I, I don't see us passing San Francisco. It would have to be New Orleans, and New Orleans doesn't have an easy schedule either because they do have to play San Francisco. So if San Francisco can beat New Orleans and and we can, you know, go the rest of the way on our you never know but i i say all that and and i'm not going to go down every single game with these top teams but i say that to say if if we win a division like i really believe we are going to still if we just take care of business in these four games and i mean shoot if we win at minnesota that's 13 and 3 that that might be enough for a two seed but if we win a division we get a home playoff game if we get a home playoff game i feel good about our chances if we get a bye and a home playoff game, I feel extremely good about our chances. But I think these five games, even though they're against teams that we think that we're better than on, on paper, these five games are huge because it sets up where and who we play where in the playoffs. So you can't stub your toe against, if you're, if you're as good as you believe you are, and I think this locker room knows that they are a good team, you can't, yes, this is an inconvenient week, right? You, you got home. Uh, Matt LaFleur has basically said you, you guys landed after 4 a.m. on Monday morning coming back from San Francisco. Um, you know, guys weren't in their beds probably till 5 by the time you got done with everything. Uh, he gave the players the rest of Monday and Tuesday. All they had to do was come in and get a lift in. But that's a tough turnaround. I get it. And now you go from a West Coast game to an East Coast game. I get that. But if you're as good as you think you are and you're playing a team that's bad, it doesn't matter if you're playing it on the moon. You should win against yeah. this team. Yeah, you should. So if they do that, get right, as you said, you know, a get well game, which is a very valuable thing. What, how, does the, how does the vibe change in the building for those last four games? Because I know Mike McCarthy used to break it into quarters, yep. right? Well, you know, you finish this, this quarter, the third quarter, two and two. Eh, not as good as you want, but boy, you're sitting in a pretty good spot going into those last four games. Yeah, and and that's exactly it. I I think this week the message is simple: one and zero, and and let's let's go out there and empty the tank. Let's let's really make this win look like it can look. Let's play our most complete game of the year. That would be my message if I were Matt Lafleur. I want a complete game, offense, defense, and special teams, and then after that. Then you can tell the guys, hey, there's a lot of fish to be fried here. There's a lot of stuff that we want to accomplish. And you can get them to refocus and remind them, hey, no slip-ups. This is what happened when we slipped up here. This is what happened when we slipped up there. Reminder, no more slip-ups. And I think you can do that. But first, you, you, you have to feel good about yourselves again. you got to get healthy. Before you warn guys about uh, what can happen, you first got to get right before you start warning about what could happen. So one thing that happened, and it get, gets a little bit lost in the shuffle because of the performance as a team, but I really enjoyed what Zadarius Smith did for one of the guys that's on the equipment oh, staff yeah. with his mom's name on his shirt. And I, I just thought, you know, it was it, here's a guy who has come in, and he's the new guy. And, you know, you were on the team when Julius Peppers came in. Yep. And Julius took more of an approach of, hey, I'm the new guy. Doesn't matter what my resume is. 
and he kind of waited and bided his time. And then I remember, didn't he have one pregame speech that you guys thought was really good, but it was also surprisingly long for him? Yeah, yeah he couldn't get, he just couldn't <laughs> rap it. It was like the guys in the back, they were, it's like they were playing the Oscar music, waving their arms and blinking a strobe light, and he wasn't catching the picture. We had to go out, the game is starting. <laughs> but, but it was a great speech. It was phenomenal. So, but Zadarius Smith has come in and he's, he's led that defense and he does things like that. I mean, to go back on this joyous pepper speech, I can remember. <laughs> so they come in, we have a coach that goes two minutes, and that means everybody needs to be on the field in two minutes per the NFL's clock rules. Right. I mean, he said two minutes, and then he came back in and he goes, one minute, and then he came back in and said, you guys got to go. You got to go, man. <laughs> and it was Julius just by himself in the locker room then? Everybody left? <laughs> I'm telling you. Where did everybody great. go? No, you got to break it down after the speech. That's the way it's a good speech. You always break it down. So whether speech is good or not, you break it down. So that the, whoever gave the speech can go in the field feeling feel pretty confident that he gave a good one. So he gave a good one. It was just uh, it was just it was just on just the lengthy It was great. It was great. It, it was so great. I, it, listen, Julius, okay, so I know where you're getting at with this question without even asking it. Julius was the quiet leader. So he came in and said, this team's established. It has its leaders. I am just going to lead by example. And he was not very uh, boisterous or voiceful, and he didn't, you know, come out and talk a whole heck of a lot. Um, so, but that applied to that team. Um, and he did really lead by example. Now, this team um, needed a little bit of that character readjustment from, from a veteran. And, you know, Clay Matthews has left and Nick Perry right. has left and, you know, some other guys. I mean, Tremont's here. But it, it did need a little bit of a, of a, let's say, a younger veteran facelift. Right. And that's, and that's what happened when he came in. And he's been such a breath of fresh air around this whole building, the community. He stayed here during that six-week stretch between um, off-season workouts and the training camp, and he calls this home, and he's obviously invested to the people that he not only lives around, but works with, you know, with the with the, uh, with the the shirt in the game. So he's not just showing guys how to a, be a good professional, take care of your work, you know, build your craft in the weight room and in the X's and O's, but he's showing them how to be good people, right. good teammates, a good member of the community. It's, it's, it's very refreshing to see that, and, and I think guys are really following suit, you know, taking the lead and, uh, and running with it and, and buying into what he's preaching, and I, I really think he has as much impact on this culture change as, as anybody else has. Is he, you know, you mentioned Clay Matthews, and you played with Clay for a really long time, and I know he's a friend of yours. That's not his personality either. Like, he's... You know, he's a different guy, and it, he's not, you know, the word I use for Zedarius Smith and whether it applies or not, I don't mean it the same, like, as I would use to describe, say, Liberace, but he's flamboyant, right? <laughs> he's colorful. I'm sure he would not like you comparing him to Liberace. <laughs> but he's, but he is, right? I mean, we have Yes, he is. And you, you spent... But he comes from Baltimore now. you got to remember, Baltimore teaches... it. it, it marches to the beat of its own drum right you know you come in there and you're added in and i don't know if he crossed over maybe one year with ray lewis or none at all probably none at all but you understand what showmanship is like right and ha and i saw the first game of the season the team broke it down on the field from a huddle with an inspirational speech and out of everything else this is bears packers Who's giving the speech at the 50-yard line on the field before the Packers enter the locker room after 
pregame, you know, festivities. It's a Darius Smith. Smith. That was that was the moment I knew who's never played in the who's rivalry ne- who's before. Never played in a rivalry. Who's never played a regular season game as a defensive captain for the Packers. He took it upon himself to do that. That's right. I knew this guy is calculated with the way that he is a leader. That is something that this team can use, and that's something that this team can strive for. Uh, you know, progress from uh, a guy being. So before, I, all right. Before we and and this has been. A very fun episode, See, but we've been all over the map. But Thanksgiving—that's what I'm telling you. That's what's well. It's kind of like Thanksgiving when if it's a cornucopia go, of topics. That's exactly what I was going to go with. <laughs> if you walk down the table at Thanksgiving and you don't throw a spoonful of everything that's at the table on your plate, <laughs> and then after you take a couple bites of everything, you just mix it all together. So you're which, not you're not living right. That's the way you eat a hol- or a Thanksgiving meal. So which part of the of the of the podcast was uh, the green bean casserole? The part where I got up and moved the heater? Yeah, probably. That's that's the part that you get and uh, you, you take a bite into, and you don't know if you're going to like it or not. Sometimes you're surprised. Usually you're left hey, meh. So let's finish with potentially the terrific tender turkey and and savory gravy. But is that the way you want to finish, or do you want to finish with the pecan pie? Um, or the sweet potato pie? I don't know. Which one I'm do you like? I'm more of a pumpkin pie. Guy a pumpkin? Yeah. That was my third one. That was the third in the yeah. John Coon pie yeah. power rankings. Yeah, well, I like the, apple pie best. Well, that's a summer pie. It We're talking fall, pie. winter, you know. See what I mean about yeah. the cornucopia? Yeah. How many times did you get to do that, that pregame speech? During your career, a few, a few, and this is the trick that my, I try and tell people this all the time. This is what Mike used to do to people. No pressure or anything. You have three game day captains, and this was before they do regular season captains like they do now. Right with Mike, you did game day captains every week. Usually, it's three guys coming off a good game from the week before, and they're captains for the next week, or a connection, to or some sort of connection from, to the right. other team. Yeah. And and then when you make the playoffs, that's when you vote. The team votes on captains. So, you know, I was a captain a handful of times a year, usually three times a year, let's say on average. Um, and he would come up to all the ca- he wouldn't. Sometimes he wouldn't come up to the captains, but you knew the guy who was giving the speech was going to be a captain. So if you didn't have anybody come up and give you the hey, you're good for the week, you better prepare a speech because he will cold call one of the captains oh, on wow. game day. So. I caught myself quite a few times preparing speeches that I never gave. So you've got some in the in the in the vault. I had a bunch in the vault. Now I gave a few and I remember one game it was it was a big game. It was towards the end of the regular season. I thought, well, this is definitely going to be me. I mean, he he passed me up, you know, one or two other times this year. This is definitely going to be me. And then and I don't know and this was 2015. I don't know if he knew something that I didn't know, but he, he, he came up to me after he called on somebody else, and maybe he just saw the, the red exit my face after he did not call my name and saw the relief on my face. But he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you for, uh, for a playoff game. I'm going to save you for when nice. we need one. So that's what, made me feel, that's what made me feel like maybe I gave a good speech a time or two. So what's this, uh, other than being concise enough that you're not late getting to the field, what, is, what would be the secret for you? To the, to making it your best speech. What's the one piece of advice? Say there's kids listening that are captains on their basketball team or on their soccer team, and and they're going to give a little pep talk to their team. What piece of advice would you give them? You know, a perfect speech has a couple things wrapped uh, 
wrapped all together. Now, you can either be very concise and, uh, and, and lay out everything that needs to be done by, by you in this game and win, uh, or you could take the emotional route and, and, and just make hair stand up on the back of guys' necks. Yeah. And I would, I would be willing to say that if you weren't going to do a speech that had both of those in, if you hit on the emotional side of it more so than the concise side, it's going to go a lot further than if you just lay out a, a monotonous, right. you know, this is what we have to do speech. So I would say the emotion is the element that you really need to hit the most. And for me, I, when I prepared these talks or speeches that I might have to give, I never felt good about it until reading it to myself if my own hairs would stand up on the back of my neck. And a lot of time this was in the hotel bedroom, right? you know, either the night before the game or the night uh, or the day or the morning of the game. If I'm reading over this, or th- and, and you don't read them because y- right. you're not taking a paper out of your pants or something. We need right to <laughs> take it to these guys yeah. and show them who's boss. But if you're if you're like saying it in the mirror or just saying it in your bed with your eyes closed and it doesn't make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, then you need to rework yeah, it. You, you need to ju- you just need to tweak it a little bit. And I you know I would always try and just think of something. If I could get one guy to get some tears in his eyes. Then I know I gave a good speech. That's what I always shot for. So Usually t- it was me. Taking, but taking, who knows if anybody right. else ever felt anything? So if you felt those things, who would you say? Like you don't have to pick one, but are there a couple that, if I say who did the best ones that moved you the most, ex teammates of yours, who do you pick? Charles Woodson, T.J. Lang, Randall Cobb. I mean, just I, and that was have, very easy for yeah, you there. And, and there have, but I just remember very vividly those three guys on their speeches at different times were fantastic. Now, Julia's speech was fantastic. It it really was, and, and we talked about that. And there's a bunch, I'm sure, that I'm missing along the way that I thought, this guy's got no chance, and he walked up there and surprised oh, me. Oh, nice. Yeah, a lot of guys, a lot. I will say, a lot more guys surprised me uh, than, than let me down. Okay. A lot more surprised me, where I thought, this guy's got a snowball chance, and you know what, and he walked up there, and, and he got me to move a little bit. So that I was happy about that. But those three, Randall, he was such an emotional guy. TJ, he was such an emotional guy. And Charles, Charles is like the president standing on the podium you know, he just demands respect, and I can, and that's any president you want. I'm not talking about the specific any specific president. Well, hopefully, we surprised and didn't let people down with our cornucopia Thanksgiving edition of the John Kuhn podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again next week.